Appreciate that so much. There is joy in the house, Lord. Is it good to be back? It's been so long. Y'all, Wednesday, I think, yeah, amen to that. I, I think it's like November. You know, it's like, what? what? Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, so great to do that. We're in, our, we're in Bible study. Some of you may be, you had this New Year's resolution. I'm going to come on Wednesday night and jump in Bible study, right? I hope some of you are new here today. And uh, the good news is you're not too far behind, right? You got 20 verses to catch up. And you can do that very quickly and catch up with uh, where we are. We're going to begin at verse 21 tonight. Let me just real quickly, kind of for you all, the, if you forget, it's been November 29th, I think the last time we were together. So uh, Romans, uh, probably the Magna Carta of all, I mean, uh, it's Christianity. It's the gospel from A to Z. Now, for obvious reasons, I like the gospel from Z to A better, right? So... Yeah, exactly. So, but, but it is, it's, it's got the whole, and so the gospel is here. It, and you see, you can, you can see, I think you have a slide up here to say the first 15 verses, you, you go back and read those if you're new here, if you're just joining with us, go back and read the greeting, great greeting from the Apostle Paul. He so desired to, to go to Rome and just love this church from afar. And of course, uh, the purpose of it. And then verses 16 and 17, back really at the end of October, really the crux of all, all built around verses 16 and 17. Now, the gospel, the word is used 10 times in the letter of the Romans, four times in the first 17 verses. So that's right away gets into, jumps into the gospel. And of course, uh, verses 16 and 17, you know, some of you know this by heart, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is being revealed. From faith to faith, it is written, the, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. That's really the crux. You know, justification by faith, righteousness by faith is really the whole uh, meaning. Of, then you see, obviously, the, the, uh, the, the chapters, how they're broken out there. So let's just drop, let's drop in the context uh, to get the context because in verse 18, um, the apostle goes and uh, begins the, talking about the gospel, but kind of in an unusual way. And so, so let's look at verses 18 through 23, and then we'll really drop into 21 to 23. But let's, start, let's begin reading in verse 18, okay? For the wrath of God is being revealed, or is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So again, you see the word is being revealed. We saw that in verse 17. The righteousness of God is being revealed. Here the wrath of God is being revealed. It's a word we get apocalypse from, right? The, the book of Revelation is a revelation of God. So God reveal, is revealing his wrath ongoing. And it says for those who, uh, against all ungodliness, again, most would say those are sins against God, and righteousness sins against men who hold back, who suppress, who hold down the truth. Okay, it's going to be clear here in, in unrighteousness because, verse 19, that which is known about God is evident, is evident. You know, you word, the word evidence in a trial, legal trial, it's evident. God has given us so much within them for God made it evident to them. You can't miss God, right? When you look outside, you can't miss God at a sunrise, a sunset, all, all we do. In verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been what? Clearly seen, clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are, what's those last two words? Without excuse. 
So man is without excuse. And, and it make that, makes it very clear here that, that this, this is what. And so, so then we go in and it, it, it's, the gospel really coming from the side of, of the wrath of God, the justice of God versus the, the gospel is also the love and mercy and grace of God, right? So then let's drop down in verse 21. And I love this quote from, from J. Vernon McGee. It says, you know, actually, if you want to know what salvation really is, you have to know how bad sin is. So, you know, right away, we see in this process of the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit bringing us through the gospel, he brings us and shows us really how, how bad sin really is. And essentially, because the gospel is all the way through the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation. In fact, look at these verses. I think they have the verses, uh, chapter 14 of Revelation, verses 6 and 7, up on the screen for us here. The last preaching of the gospel, after the seventh trumpet uh, is blown by the angel, and it, it, it signals that, that the bowls of judgment are going to be the final judgments before Christ returns. It says this, And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having what? And what kind of gospel? eternal gospel, eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth, every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And the angel said with a loud voice, what? Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him, worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of water. So you see, it goes right back to creation. The, the last, now, I'm sure the angel had much more to say as he flew throughout the whole earth preaching to every tribe and tongue and nation and, and people. But, but he did say, again, going back to the creator God, the creator God, that's why we, we hold it. That's why you, we did when uh, Pastor Edgar first came on board, we did Genesis 1 through 3. We have to know the foundations of the gospel, don't we? And that's back in Genesis as well. So, you, so let's go to verse 21 and uh, you can... You can see what I call the downward spiral of, of what happened to man. Uh, interesting, we, we talk about uh, uh, evolution of man, that man's getting better and better. But these verses really show us that the man is devolving, you might say. Instead of regeneration, there's a degeneration. So let's look at these steps of the seven steps. You put that up on the screen, starting in verse 21. So verse 22 is for even th though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. They became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. So first of all, they knew God. You know, the, I guess the evolution said, no, no, uh, Adam wasn't a guy, the you know, caveman that hit club. He was a, they were monotheists. They knew the living God. They start, we started out from knowing God, knowing him personally. We see even in, in the book of Genesis how uh, God walked with them in the garden. I mean, they had a personal relationship with God. They didn't start out. And so from there, what happens? They, they knew God, but number two, they did not honor him as God. The, the word give him glory, they did, the weight of God. They did not give, give him that glory that, that we, we need to give God. They, they, they did not honor him as God. Number three then. Not only did they not honor him as God, but they did not give thanks to him. Now, how critical is that? We, we, we want to be grateful, right? I mean, every day we should be thanking God for who he is and what he's done, how he's blessed us. I mean, wake up in the morning thanking God. We, we, we've done that through our, this Christmas season and Thanksgiving and what have you, thanking God. But they did not give thanks to him. One author said this way, since man does not like to retain the knowledge of God as God, 
he cannot see him as the benevolent author of all his good. So if you don't see God as the benevolent author of all your good, instead he chooses to live independently in a world of uncertainty, which says him free to celebrate his good luck or to praise his superior foresight as the fancy takes him. You know, it's kind of like you know, it, he doesn't recognize that God is, is the author of all this good. James says every good and perfect gift comes down from coming from the Father of lights who, who is unchangeable in it and gives us all good things for richly to enjoy. So they did not give thanks to him. That was the third step down. And then it goes further in verse 21. It says, and they became futile in their speculations. The word futile means just useless, vain, empty in, in their reasonings. In other words, the more thinking that, it's, that they did, that the more empty they got because, they, again, they're starting from the, the premise that there is no God, they, that they, they can do it better themselves, right? And so they, they became futile in their speculations. The Bible talks about, in the New Testament, about a seared conscience, that our conscience can be, you know, there's a good conscience that understands it, but there's a seared conscience. Then there's actually an evil conscience where good is evil and evil is good. And we see that in the world today, don't we? Very much. So that, that again, they became futile in their speculations. And then number five, their foolish hearts were darkened, okay? The downward spiral, their foolish hearts were, were darkened. Um, John, in, in 1 John chapter two, talks about a person who hates their brother and says they, they, they're in the darkness and they walk in the darkness and says they don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded their eyes. You've heard of folks who are so long in darkness they can't see anymore. It makes them physically blind. And so it says if you walk in the darkness over and over again, you will go blind. And here it's in, in this passage in Romans is saying, folks, they didn't recognize who God was. There was light there for them to see, right? In creation, everything... God made it evident to them, but they were in the darkness and they continued to disobey God, so they became blinded and their foolish heart were darkened. One author in the book of Romans, Jeffrey Wilson is his name, said, this gives the coup de grace to the modern myth of man's unaided ascent from primitive animism to the lofty summit of monotheism. Isn't that what, but that's what, the world tells us, oh, they started out with animism, they moved up and moved up and moved up. And I said this, it is, only, it is only in the biblical record of man's fall from his original state of integrity that his present abnormal condition receives an adequate explanation. So what it's saying is, you know, the biblical record is where you're going to find the true what, man, what happened to man, right? That he started knowing God and then came this downward spiral to the point where his, his heart's darkened, where he can't even see where he's going anymore. And this is what we're seeing in our world. It's interesting, uh, it was uh, the men and the women, we did a study in Ecclesiastes this past fall. And of course, Ecclesiastes is amazing. Uh, Solomon, who called himself the preacher. But in chapter 7, verse 29, interesting verse. I think they have it said this. Behold, Solomon said, I have found only this, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many devices. 
Isn't that true? I mean, I thought, that's an interesting way of saying it, isn't it? We have messed things up, you know, is what we were saying. God made us where we could see him, we could know him, where we could have a personal relationship with him. And it, God made us for fellowship with him and to, and to give him all the glory and worship him. But we, we have many devices, you know, just, we, we messed it up big time. So, that, so then it moves on to number six, which is basically, um, I just put it, he became uh, verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. You know, in other words, they, they got stupid. Uh, the, the Greek word, Pastor Edgar, is the word we get moron from, you know, right? So, you know, they, 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 uh, they, they, they profess to be wise. Uh, one author puts it this way, no independent knowledge is possible for man. Does that make sense? No independent knowledge is possible for man because it's everything he knows, he knows from God. It is it's because man refuses to acknowledge this source that everything he knows is from God that, he, that, that uh, and insists upon the originality of his own interpretation of the brute facts of the universe that his knowledge is poisoned by the fatal error of his fundamental religious presupposition, which is this, that there is no self-existent creator to whom he is indebted for every breath which he draws. You know that every breath I take up here, and I'm thankful for that, comes from God, doesn't it? Every breath I take, every moment I live on this earth is from God. We recognize who he is as the sovereign Lord of the universe. We understand that, don't we? And when we, do, we fail to understand that and worship him as God, this downward, this downward spiral happens over and over and over again. First, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? You know, that word wisdom in, in the, the language there is the world's Sophia. Uh, any Sophias out there? It's a, it's a pretty name. So we get the word sophisticated from that. Man is all that sophisticated, you know, in our own thinking. We're sophisticated. But no, the Bible says our sophistication, God has made foolish the wisdom of the world. And then finally, number seven of this downward spiral says this, they became idolaters. They became idolaters. It says in verse 23, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God. For an image in the form of corruptible man and our birds and four-footed animals and creepy crawling creatures. And so we, they, they became idolaters. And you see, you see even the downward spiral of the, the image of, of God who, who he is in, in the image of man. And, and of course then birds and four, then cows and horses and four-footed creatures and down to the little, I mean, I'm no... You know, I don't know anybody that worships bugs out there, but there, I'm sure there are people out there that they did. And this is what happened it, to man. They got to the point of idolatry, of, of again, you know, uh, instead of worshiping God, they worship the things of creation. Remember when Jesus, I think Matthew chapter 22, they, they came trying to trip him up and said, Jesus, uh, is it lawful to pay taxes? And of course, you remember the story. He, he said, well, give me a coin. And, uh, and who's, who's, whose image is on the coin? It's the image of a man. Now, the Romans believed that he was a god, right? Caesar was a god. And uh, so he said, uh, who's on? well, it said Caesar. Well, well, then the coin belongs to Caesar, right? But you belong to me because you and I, we're made in what? 
in the image of God, aren't we? We belong to God. So render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, render unto God, and that's us, that's our lives. We are, we are bought with a price. We, we're to glorify God in our bodies, in our mind, in our souls, in our spirits, because we belong to him. So they became idolaters. Now you look and go, did Paul see this? Yeah, Paul, Paul, of course, was, uh, was a, a rabbi. He taught, he taught the scriptures. He knew he was a monotheist, but he went out in his missionary journeys. He saw this throughout Asia, didn't he? He saw the idolatry in, in, uh, in all the, the pagan, on the, in Asia Minor and in Europe. In fact, he gets to, um, to, uh, to Athens and waits for his friends in Athens. And we're going to put the, up on the screen just to, uh, because I think it's great to see this tonight. He gets to Athens. Athens, the, the Greek, you know, mecca there of, of intellect and all that's wise and sophisticated and, and all, all those things, that, that they're superior in their wisdom, their knowledge. And he gets there and so he says, waiting for his friends. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I observe you're very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through the, and examining the object of your worship, they're worshiping, right? Men are going to worship something. He said, I, I've also found an altar with this description to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, I, this I proclaim to you, the God who made this world, the world and all the things in it, since he is Lord of, of, um, of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things and has made from one man every nation of mankind, that being Adam, our daddy, of mankind to live on the face of the earth and having determined their appointed times and their boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if only perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, and saving some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring, his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, through a man, capital M, who's that? Jesus, isn't it? Who, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Yes, Paul saw this, and he, he recognized this idolatry that man has gone into. And so he comes to that conclusion. And I, I want to give you a real th three quick points about this, because in verse 24, God goes to the point of saying they go from idolatry and gives them over to immorality. It's, it's hand in glove. Idolatry will always lead to immorality. But look at, at this, because really these verses are all about what we call humanism. Humanism. You're familiar with the term humanism? Probably, and I, I would say the first point is this, that the genesis of humanism is, is all the isms flow from humanism, don't they? All of them, you know, whether it's atheism or Hinduism or Buddhism or Marxism or commercialism or Darwinism, all those isms flow out of humanism, which says that man can be God. I can take care of it myself. I don't need God. 
I don't, I'm not going to worship him and glorify him. Oh, there we go. That a little better. As, as God. And uh, so all, all, all the isms flow from humanism. Look at Genesis chapter 11. Because it starts out in Genesis. And this is after Noah gets off the ark and his family. And chapter 10 is all about the three sons and the nations that come from the three sons. But then chapter 11 says, starts out this way. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east. They found a plain in the land of Shinar. This became Babylon in the Bible, okay? And settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone. They used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And said, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. This is the beginning of, of what we call humanism. They, they wanted to build a tower, make a name for themselves. We don't need God. We can make a tower. We can make a tower into heaven. Why do we need to worship God? And so at the end of the chapter, verse 9, it says simply this. Therefore, God, uh, God confused their languages and scattered them about. Therefore, his name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. There's the genesis of humanism. All through the Bible, you see this over and over and over again. The, the upper story of God, you know, the seed of, of a woman that Pastor Edgar's talked about, that going to the Lord Jesus Christ. But all through the Bible, you see man trying to thwart that through Satan, the humanism of saying, I can do it my own way. So, the, so and it ends up, and if you, we must get the end of the story here in Revelation chapter 18, at the very, before Jesus comes back to the second coming, the angel cries out in chapter 18 of Revelation. He cried out with a mighty voice saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality and the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have become, I think there's one more, rich by the wealth of her sensuality. So you see, all the world system is wrapped up in this idea of Babylon and humanism that humans can take over. We, we don't need God. So, the base, so the, then the, the basis of humanism is this. They, we create our own God. We make God into what we want God to be. And we, it may be a, an athlete. You know, we worship as God. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Hollywood, they're called stars in Hollywood, right? You know, where Philippians chapter 2 said we're to be stars that shine in a crooked and perverse generation. You know, and, and uh, it, it, that's it. So whether it's, uh, you know, Mother Nature, worship Mother Nature, uh, the man upstairs. Uh, anybody recognize this song? Uh, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Talking about God? Uh, no. <laughs> no. We make our own gods, don't we? It sounds like God, doesn't it? <laughs> but, it's, but, but you know who it is. Uh, so uh, it's so it's, it's interesting that it may, and I, I, Warren Wearsby made this quote. He said, if he, man, will not worship the true God, he will worship a false God, even if he has to manufacture it himself. 
And that's so true in it. That's what man has done. We have, we have basically left the God of all creation and though he's made evident to us in these verses and we've turned and, and turned that exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for the glory of things that are corruptible and will pass away. And finally then, there's the antidote to humanism. And that's where we'll, we'll stand up tonight because the antidote to humanism is what? Worship the Lord God, right? That's what we're called to do, that we are beings of worship. And as long as we are keeping our lives worshiping God, and that requires on our part, you know, living the, by, by his principles and life, but worshiping the Lord God, that's the antidote to humanism. And that is what is the world is going to see. If we worship God and our lives give glory to him, that will be the message that, of the gospel that we send to the world. So we're going to take a moment here, I think. I think we have the guys coming back out somewhere out there. I think we're going to sing again. Say we want to call them. Hey, guys. Um, we're going to sing in just a moment and worship the Lord before we have a time of prayer. And I think that's the plan anyway. Is that, is that changed? No, that's good. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay, we'll give you more. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I figured they'd probably be right behind me at that point in time. Okay, so we got, we got you know, here, here's what God wants of us as, as men and women of faith, is to place him at the center of our lives. I think that's what the world needs to see from us, isn't it? They want to see that, yes, we, um, we have ma manufactured a lot of gods. I mentioned a few of them, even through this Christmas season, and into, we, a lot of things we worship and, and put you know, our, our trust and our priority in, but our, this year, January 3rd, 2024, are we going to make, are we going to make Jesus Christ the center in, of everything in our lives? Again, from Sunday's message, we, are you going to love Jesus and love God more and more each day? That'll be the message. That will be the message the world needs to see. So to practice our worship a little bit, we're going to sing before we have a time of prayer led by Pastor Greg. And uh, let's pray first of all. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that um, you have made us to worship you. You've given us so much. Every day we can wake up and, and every breath we take belongs to you, Lord. So God, I pray for everyone here, not only in the room, but folks that might even be watching on, online. God, that this year, more than ever, we would grow from faith to faith. God, that our faith would grow in you and we would, God, represent you in a way that would glorify you, our creator, God. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Let's all stand.